0: Thank you.
1: Back your way.
2: And turn to Luke chapter number two. That last verse in that song at Calvary says, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plane. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Listen to this. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Aren't you glad that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting eternal life. I'm glad this morning that it was at Calvary and that plan that God drew with grace that had that little baby boy come to a virgin named Mary come to a unknowing man named Joseph. Luke chapter number 2 this morning. I'm going to preach on this thought, veiled in flesh. And I covet your prayers today. We're going to read a, a lengthy portion of scripture, the entire Christmas story. The first 20 verses of the book of Luke chapter number 2. And something that I would normally do, I try my best to, to read a small portion of Scripture. But just in case you haven't heard this story yet this year, I just want to rehearse it in your ears. Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. <clears throat> that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna just just ask you if you will as we read this or maybe Christmas Eve night, maybe you have a tradition to read it. Maybe Christmas Day, maybe Christmas Day morning. You might have a tradition to read this, but as you as you read it, I kind of want your memory or your imagination just to run wild. Here was a woman she was expecting, and they had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Not in a fancy car, not in some grand chariot, but on the back of a... The stories tell us, the pictures tell us, it was on the back of a mule, a donkey. It says that she was great with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be too. And I love this. I was listening to music this morning as I was pinning everything down and Brother uh, brother Timothy Ojo pop, popped up on my iTunes. I recorded him saying glory to God in our camp meeting. And in that, Brother David, it just, between songs, I just heard Brother Timothy Ojo say glory to God and I like the And so did the angels singing and praising God saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the same which was told them concerning this child. I, what was anybody tell me what was told them concerning this child? Who was it? It was a savior. <laughs> y'all ain't getting it this morning, and y'all gonna have to get it right. You ain't getting no chicken. They they made known what was told them concerning this child and All they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. And it was as it was told unto them. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you this day, Lord, for the opportunity to stand and preach your. God, we thank you, Lord, for, Lord, the songs that we're saying this morning. Lord, the spirit that we felt during the singing. And Lord, the spirit, Lord, even now that I feel, Lord, as we read this, this Christmas story that, that typically is read only once a year. But God, we thank you that we can share it today. Have your will in our hearts, encourage us, strengthen us. Lord, we pray that you would touch us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I want to try to preach on this thought, veiled in flesh. A few weeks ago, some of you may know Brother Mark Wheeler, have heard of Brother Mark Wheeler. He was telling some of us preachers, uh, 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 not a story, but he was just kind of mentioning some things. And he mentioned this thought of Christ being veiled in flesh. And as he began to talk, and the tears, no doubt, they, they fell from his face. But as I was driving around town listening to him, the, the tears began to roll down my own face because there was something in his spirit that was that was kind of bearing witness with my spirit. And for about three weeks now, I, I've wanted to, to, to do something with that thought. And, and really, I had another message planned for this week, but God began to work in my heart, and so I I do covet your prayers this morning, but the statement that he made was that God was veiled in the flesh, and so as he began to talk about this, my mind began to go to different places where men have seen God, and men and women have talked about their vision of God, And, and we can go back to Genesis, where Adam walked with God, Eve walked with God, Uh, but then we go to the book of Exodus, well there's, Jacob is there in the book of Genesis, and then we go to Exodus, and different folks have seen God, but the the book of John in chapter number 1, verse number 18, it says that no man hath seen God. And so I began to think about some different things, and and, uh, in this passage, in Luke's gospel, if you will, he tells about the birth of Christ. He tells in Matthew, he tells about the birth of Christ. In Matthew, he tells about the wise men that came. In Matthew, he tells about their flight to Egypt to avoid the wrath of Herod. In the book of John, he too, or excuse me, Mark, he begins... Not with the birth of Christ, but instead goes right into John the Baptist and goes into John's ministry and goes into the baptism of Christ. John, too, he doesn't mention anything about the birth of Christ, but he begins to go right into, um, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He begins his letter, or his epistle, if you will, his His gospel as we call it today. He begins by telling us not necessarily of the birth of Christ, but of the deity of Christ. But Luke, here in chapter number 2, he goes into detail about the time. He goes into detail about the events and the places surrounding the birth of Christ. According to prophecy, and I'll say that word a few different times this morning, According to prophecy, a virgin would conceive. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter number seven, verse 14, said that, Behold, a virgin will conceive. And what happened here? We find it in the book of Luke that here was a virgin and she was great with child. According to prophecy, Jesus would be born in Bethlehem and Micah. Chapter number 5, he prophesied that the Savior, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. And, and God, in, in verse number 1, in verse number 2, in verse number 3, God ordained a taxing or a census that was worldwide that you had to be in your home city to be counted, to pay your taxes. And so God ordained that so that Jesus wasn't born in uh, Nazareth, but rather In Bethlehem, God, according to prophecy, he foretold in Hosea chapter number 11 that this Messiah would come out of Egypt. So what happened? Well, Matthew tells us that after those wise men came, and and we, we assume that Jesus was no longer an infant when the wise men came. He was probably around two years old because of the words of Herod. He gave the decree, kill every baby that was two years old and younger. And so we see that because of that, because of the wrath of Herod, God ordained that wrath and sent Mary, Joseph, and Jesus to Egypt so that his prophecies will be fulfilled. According to prophecy, he would be a light to the Gentiles in Isaiah chapter number 9 and chapter 42 and chapter number 49 there was prophecies that he would be a, that the messiah Emmanuel would be a light to the gentiles here in chapter number 2 look with me over here in verse number I believe it's verse number 20 32 excuse me here was Simon or Simeon however you want to say it He's talking about this little child and he says, a light to lighten the Gentiles, the glory of thy people Israel. And so, according to prophecy, God has ordained some things. Remember the the words that I read there in in the hymnal? According to God's plan, he began to mete out grace and judgment He he got everything in place. Jesus was going to be a pure seed no matter what. He was the seed of the Holy Ghost, but he was implanted into Mary, who was a descendant directly to God. If you read her her genealogy here in chapter number, uh, chapter number 3, I'm sorry, you've got to turn the page. Chapter number 3, I believe it is, it goes all the way back to Adam. Well, guess who made Adam? God. Joseph's genealogy is found there in Matthew. And we told you a few weeks ago that that Joseph's genealogy goes all the way back to Abraham. So on both sides of the family, including God's side of the family, he was a direct descendant from God. A line of David. These are things that God saw fit to make happen throughout the years so that his prophecy would be fulfilled. Now, let's visit, just for a moment, let's visit a couple other verses. John chapter number one. See, so everybody turn. I want you to fill the pages now. John chapter number one, verse number 18. The Bible says, No man hath seen God at any time. He says, The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So, just to put it into Laban's term, John says that no man has seen the Father. He he does mention that the only begotten Son of God, He has declared. In other words, He has announced and portrayed God the Father. Now, look with me over in the book of Hebrews. This is where we're going to draw our message from. Over in the book of Hebrews, I want you to see this. Verse, or chapter number 10, verse number 19. Y'all with me? Say amen or hot dog. One of the two. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What does he say there? In verse number 19, he says that boldly we can go into the holiest. How are we to do that? Well, the Bible says by a new and a living way. He says through the veil. What is that veil? His flesh. What happened at Calvary? His flesh was rent. During that time of darkness, the veil of the temple was rent. That was that place that was untouchable to common men. During that time, God rent the temple veil from top to bottom at the same time that his son was being rent from top to bottom, side to side, inside and out. Why? Because there was a new veil, his flesh. That we would go to the holiest by. It was no longer behind the veil made by man. It was no longer in that tabernacle that only the priest or only a certain bloodline can go behind. But now every man, I'm about to Miss Pat, every man, woman, boy, and girl by the flesh of Jesus Christ can go into the holiest of holies. Y'all with me? Come on now. I know it's a Sunday morning. I know it's I know it's dreary outside. I know some of y'all are still half-sleeping, half but we got to go. Listen to this. This is where it's going to get fast. I ain't going to preach very long from here. I don't think. I don't think. But in, in John chapter number 1, we see that no man has seen God at any time. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 20, says that we can enter into the veil or enter into the holiest of holies. By the Through the veil, which is the body or the flesh of Christ. Now listen to this. Abraham saw God. Abraham and Sarah saw God, right? Veiled as an angel. The Bible says there was an angel of the Lord there. Most of the times in Scripture when you see angel of the Lord and Lord is all capitalized, that's talking about someone other than an angel. Or a man, I firmly believe that's talking about the, the Son of God. I believe that's talking about an embodiment of God. Not only, not only did they, Jacob saw God veiled as a wrestling messenger. You remember when when Jacob was 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 ready to give up his life, Esau was coming. He knew Esau was going to kill him, so he stealed away somewhere. And while he was sitting there cooking a marshmallow on the fire that he had planned, that he had started, all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, an angel came and started wrestling with him, and he would not let him go. Jacob would not let him go, and he said, "Let me." The angel said, "Let me go." He said, "I'm not going to." So instead, the angel said, what's your name? He said, my name's Jacob. He said, from now on, your name will be called Israel. There was a change in Jacob's life. And from then on, he, he went around halt. He went around limping, if you will, because the angel put his hand and, 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 and messed up his hip. But Jacob said, not that the angel hurt me, but he said, the angel blessed me. You see, Jacob saw God as a wrestling messenger. Moses saw God veiled in a burning bush. You remember Moses just left Egypt and went into the wilderness because he had killed an Egyptian. And then the Hebrews raised Cain, if you will, and said, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us too? And so he ran for fear. He's out in the middle of the desert and all of a sudden a bush started burning and he heard a voice calling out to him. He saw God veiled in a burning bush. Israel saw God also in the wilderness veiled as a cloud and as a pillar of fire. Nebuchadnezzar saw God veiled, veiled as a fiery savior for those three boys. I find it peculiar that in that, and somebody can read it when you get home, but in that, you remember in Daniel, what's the chapter number three, when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, the brother, brother King, the, the boys didn't say anything about Jesus being in there with them. Nobody else saw Jesus being in the fire except for Nebuchadnezzar. I find that pretty strange, but I believe it. I believe Jesus was in the fire with the boys. They may or may not have known it. I don't really know for sure, Miss Mildred, but what I do know is Nebuchadnezzar saw God veiled as a fiery savior. In the birth of Christ, though, in Luke chapter number 2, we see Christ veiled. We see God, if you will, veiled in flesh. Here is where I'm not going to preach long. Right here, maybe. Number one, if you're if you're if you're keeping notes, if you think you can, I, more power to you. Number one, the baby in the manger was God veiled in the flesh. Just three days three days ago, Josie celebrated one year's one year's birthday. Brother 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 Terry back there was there. Pretty sure Miss Tabitha was there. Some others were there. My wife and I were there. I don't remember if our kids were there or not. But that was an exciting time. It It was the first baby that was born here since I came. I was excited. I was hoping it was a boy. But I'm glad she's Josie. She's pretty. She's beautiful. But Josie back there, she was laying in that little little glass box there. Beautiful. And there's some ugly babies that get born, I'm telling you. But from day one, Jody's been beautiful. I've seen some of y'all's pictures, so I know what I'm talking about. I've seen my own picture, so I know what I'm talking about. Here was this baby that was born December 17th. 2019 But Josie didn't Josie didn't have the Holy Spirit. Josie was born a sinner. Josie will not bring salvation to her people. <laughs> but there was a savior that had been prophesied of. There was a savior that was now lying in a manger in a cattle trough that was was not born in the finest facilities he was not born with the finest of care he was she was not on bed rest to make sure that the child would be would be safe, but rather had to travel a great distance on back of some strange animal. Here she was, no doubt in dire circumstances. She had given birth. She had wrapped him in rags, if you will, in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. And as she, I'm back to as, whoop, as she looked at his eyes, as she bent down and kissed his cheeks. She was kissing, God veiled in flesh. As she looked into those eyes, she looked into the eyes of God veiled in flesh. As she began to hold him, and as she began to pat his back, she was patting, she was holding, God veiled in the flesh. There's something, uh there is something about the fact that God loved us so much that he would sin, the Son, His holy begotten Son, God the Son. You hear me? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He would send His Son He's probably about two years old. Little boy that was visited by the wise men was God veiled in flesh. She's two years old. Miss Josie, she's two years old. She's walking around. And I'm just gonna say this: Miss Sam, she is a baby Paul I felt that in my spirit. I had it had to come out. Sam, I'm gonna pray for you. Every time I see you, you've got that child. I wouldn't mind preaching one time with her, but y'all won't let me. I'm going to come back here and snatch you. I'm going to wear my mask, and I'm going to snatch you, and I'm going to preach with you. I'm going to tell you something. That little boy that's two years old, he was in Egypt, he was a stranger in the country, or on his way to Egypt, excuse me. He was still, as far as we know, he was still in Bethlehem. Could have moved back to Nazareth at this time, but because of the warning of the wise men, they moved to Egypt, but here he was. Didn't have a care in the world. Didn't know what was going on, Miss Kim. Didn't know that danger was ahead. Didn't know that there was danger behind. He was just a two-year-old boy. But as those wise men came from afar, and as they began to present to him gold and frankincense and myrrh, it was it was God veiled in flesh that they were presenting gold and frankincense in myrrh. It was this gold that is now acclaimed as one of the most precious metals that they sent to this man that one day would hold and was prophesied that he would hold the title of king of kings. It was frankincense that was given by one of these men. It was a fragrant perfume. It was used as incense. It was an emblem of prayer. If you will, it was a It was uh, an anointing spice, but then they also gave myrrh. It was used from arthritis to menopause, from mouthwash to toothpaste to horse liniment. Uh, But it had been called the balm of Gilead. Uh, But it was also used to embalm the dead. I wonder if it could be that maybe God had (sighs) spoken... maybe that God has spoke to these men and said listen you, you're wise and you've got plenty of, of sustenance you've got plenty of supply for yourself but you need to take something because there is a little boy uh, that one day he will ascend to heaven uh, where, the, where the streets are made and paved with purest gold and I want you to take him gold to show that you would give him the best that you have to offer I want you to take him frankincense uh, so that he can be anointed one day I want you to take him, myrrh. One of these days, this little boy uh, that you're about, to, I'm about to run without my mask. Hey, I'm telling you, one of these days uh, that little boy that you're seeing, uh, that you're gonna see, and maybe even hold in your arms. Uh, that's God, veiled in flesh, and one day he's gonna die for all humanity. I'll uh, take him, some myrrh uh, because one day he'll need you to be embalmed. He'll need you to be anointed in his death. Number three, that 12-year-old boy in the temple was God veiled in the flesh. Sometimes I got an 11-year-old fit to be 11-year-old tomorrow. Miss Brayman, how old are you, Nathan? 12. 12? Angela, how old are you? 12? You're Driving now, you about half married. <laughs> Ashley's fourteen. You're what fifteen now, Nick? Abby Grace, how old is she? Eight. Eight. Missing anybody? Rachel. Six-two. Sixteen. When you get about twelve years old, Nathan, you're there. Mm-hmm. Ansley, you're there. You get so annoying. <laughs> Eleven is running right into it. You get so annoying when you turn 12. There's something about that one and that two, right side by side. It happens at 21, too. Just get just eat up with it. Here was Jesus, 12 years old. All the other boys are being goofy. All the other boys are being mean and pranking their sisters and scaring their daddy by jumping out of walls and everything else. All the other kids are out there they're playing some sort of ball and and they're kicking this and they're doing this. They're climbing sycamore trees. They're having a good time. And here's Jesus. Done went away from mama and daddy. And he went to church. Now that ought to help some of y'all right there. When the ball is gone, all sports are gone, when all of the Outside activities are gone. You can always go to church. That's just a side note. It's free. You don't even have to pay for that one. I love church. I love the house of God. But here was Jesus. Here was Jesus. Separated from his mom and daddy. I believe the scripture says by a three days journey. So he was all alone, but he was in the temple, but he wasn't just sitting in the temple. He wasn't, I know Nathan loves to play, and he was playing music this morning. He wasn't just playing music, Nathan. He didn't just pick up a guitar or a bass, Abby, and start plucking around. That's not what he did. But instead, he sat down and he called all the synagogue leaders and started teaching them. And he started revealing to them the mysteries. Now, they may have been like me, Well, he's just 12 years old. He's just annoying. She's just 12 years old. She's so annoying. Who is this kid? Why is he here? Where are his parents? They begin to ask all these questions. But if they only knew that this was the very God who they studied about. This was the God of heaven that they longed to see. This was the Messiah that they had hoped for. for, hundreds of years. This is the Messiah that they were looking for. He was 12 years old. But he was God veiled in flesh. Now let's move on. Number four. The man praying in the garden all alone was God veiled in flesh. We preached about this about a month or so ago that And I really hadn't really gotten over it. The fact that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was was on the mountain. And he had been there so many times before. We preached about that in the message. In the garden. And he had been to this mountain. And he retreated to this place time after time after time. But here he was in the garden this night. He knew what was about to happen. And he asked his closest disciples to come and pray with him. To come and just talk to God with him. And they fell asleep. And they had better things to do. But here was Jesus. He wasn't just praying like many of us do. He didn't just say, "And now, I'll lay me down to sleep." Prayer. He didn't say, "I, I, I don't believe that." He said, "God, you know the trouble that's coming. Just take care of it." Amen. I believe, Brother David, he bore his heart, and I believe that he maybe even prayed for those that had already cast him out of the temple, and those that had had uh, had maybe even had a a prior echo of the word crucify on their lips. I believe that he prayed for those people that that he had come in contact with, but but most assuredly he prayed, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let thy will be done. But the Bible says that he prayed the more earnestly, and his tears and his his sweat, rather, became as great drops of blood. I wonder today if 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 a man came in and he wasn't dressed the best. He didn't look the best. Maybe he had a scraggly beard. Maybe a little bit longish hair. His clothes were dirty. Maybe even had a little stench on him. Shoes were dirty. Shoes were filthy. But he walked down the aisle and began to, to point at people and say, Will you come pray for me? Will you come pray with me? I wonder how many would just say, I, I don't know you.
1: I wonder how many would say
2: no. I, no, I can smell a little bit of something. I, 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 I pray for, I pray for you back here. Maybe he's the wrong color. Y'all can say amen right there, because God didn't say he just came to the white folk or the black folk or any other color. He said he came for all. ain't, 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 ain't that what he said? Maybe he's the wrong color. Maybe he's got a Democrat pin on him. Check and see if he's voted yet, whether or not to pray for him, all right? But I wonder if this man walking down the aisle saying, will you come pray with me? I wonder if we had known it was Jesus, if our reactions would have been different. Now, I don't want to be too hard on the disciples. I really don't want to be. Because I've told you, I'm not a morning person, and I'm not a night person. i got about two or three hours right in the middle of the day that I'm good. And here they were sometime at night, and Jesus said, let's go pray. Miss Milton, I probably fell asleep too. I ain't going to lie to you. But this was Jesus, Miss Leah. They had watched him. They had watched him raise the dead. They were there, Brother Jim, when he said, Lazarus, come forth. They were there when he took some bread and blessed it and and tore it apart and fed 5,000 people. They, They were there. But they could not pray. But it was during this prayer. It was during this time that he prayed the more earnestly. It was during this time that his sweat became as great drops of blood. It was during this time that we have to recognize that this was God veiled in flesh. Lastly, the broken body that was on the cross was God veiled in flesh. He was wounded. Isaiah said that he would be. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Uh, the chastisement of our peace would be upon him. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus gave up the ghost in his veiled body. And as he gave up the ghost, if you look in, if you look in Luke, it says that during this time of of uh, of darkness, the veil was rent and. Just after that, it says that he gave up the ghost. If you look at Matthew, it says that he gave up the ghost and the veil of the temple was ripped. And so hand in hand, this was an action, I believe, that happened at the same time as he gave up the ghost, as he died for you and for me. The veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom, saying now everyone can come in. It was because of that veiled body on Calvary that allowed uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 20 to be penned. It was because of that sacrifice of God in his son on Calvary. That's why you and I can now enter boldly into the throne room of God and plead our case or just say hello. Or to say thank you for your blessings. It's because of that veiled body of God was torn into pieces on Calvary. We could go even further and we could say that it was God in the flesh that rose up on that third morning. It was God veiled in flesh on that resurrection. Day. I want you to know this morning that every picture that we see of Christ, whether he's, he's preaching on the sermon, uh, 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 he's, he's preaching on the Mount of Olives, whether he's raising someone from the dead, or whether he's uh, feeding the five or the four thousand or or whether he's uh, sitting at a table and someone is anointing his feet or his head. That was God. Veiled in flesh. During this Christmas time, we have to think. We have to think. I think. I don't even know who's got Josie now. Yesterday I went up to their house and big sister was holding Josie. Holding her tight, holding her just right, what treating her like a rag doll. She was taking care of her. Could you imagine how Mary and Joseph must have felt? This Mark Lowry in his song he wrote, Mary, did you know? I believe she did know some things. The scripture said that she kept all these things and so she pondered them in her heart. I believe she remembered the visit from the angel. I believe she remembers the scriptures from Isaiah. I don't think it took her by surprise to know that this little baby would save the world. But I have to wonder today, when we think of Christmas, when we think of Jesus in the manger, do we think about that being God in the flesh? Let's stand today. I encourage you. This week, I mean, you you still got a few days until Christmas. Read that story. Put yourself, Daddy's put yourself in Joseph's position. Mamas, put yourself in Mary's position. Brothers, or kids, put yourself put yourself maybe riding right alongside Mary, wondering what what would happen to this little baby. Use that imagination and begin to think about how God. to orchestrate things way back yonder for that moment that Jesus was laid in the manger. Thank you so much for being here today. I encourage you, if you will, stay and eat with us. Again, if you you happen to uh, um, have more than five people and you need some more room, you can add some more chairs to your table. Um, But if you can, try to stay with families or folks that you're always around. But I want you to stay, and I want you to be a part of our our fellowship. We've not had a fellowship since uh, August, and uh, uh, I've been very hesitant about doing one, and I don't take this one lightly. And so we're going to do the serving, and uh, the folks serving, we want to make sure that they're they're very careful themselves, and uh, if you will, you just kind of follow directions once we go back there and see what's up. Um, but I encourage you, if you will, stay and enjoy it. I'm going to read you this. you know the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Well, there's a, a second verse that is not in our hymn. And it says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead seed. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. I had no idea that was part of that song. I believe it was uh, was John Wesley and somebody else, Uh, one of those old preachers, wrote that song many, many years ago, and uh, I appreciate the Lord, appreciate what I felt this morning. I trust that you've been blessed as well. Uh, let's pray and